Hi, everyone, or hi, humans, and welcome to The Approach with your hosts, Patricia Deanna and Cal Kamuna. Hello. I'm I'm really curious if there are like some cats out there listening to us, because I'm like, hey, every like if, if there are cats listening, then hey, everyone. If not, then hello, humans. But, you know, I would love if you guys get your cats on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think everybody realizes that we are both cat people. Like, Do they not? I don't think we've never talked about our cats. Oh my God. I love our my cats. Cat. I love my cat too. And she's such a big part of my life and personality that I'm sad that she's kind of been on the back burner lately. I, I've been putting her on Instagram in some of my videos um, when she's behaving. <laughs> I'm thinking about making an Instagram account for Mia because she has way more pictures than I do <laughs> on my phone. But yeah, my do, cat. Do it. I just don't, I'm too lazy. You know, I don't, I don't like, it's too, it's already demanding to use my own Instagram account. And the thing is, I think if I have a pet account that would go on fire, like that would, I think that I would pick up more traction than, than even my, like, I would, I think people would follow that account. Like people that I don't know would follow that account. Cause Mia's yeah. adorable. She's um, beautiful. And I don't want to put effort into a cat account. Like so much energy and social I'm media tempted to do that with pam but i'm also very jealous like i don't want to put an instagram account up for her and then see that she gets like eight hundred thousand likes for just being a cat <laughs> that's what i'm saying like it's gonna affect my ego i gotta keep my ego at bay <laughs> <laughs> that's my instagram by the way lol <laughs> and i would I would sneakily be trying to like <laughs> promote myself. I'd be like, hey, Pam's cat owner is this handle. Yeah. Okay. So but, this this year has been very weird. Like, uh, like has it has it not? It just fuck, started off 2023. That's all I'm gonna say. I me and this year are gonna fight, and we're only what 13 days into this yeah <laughs> i mean 13 it's Friday. yeah we're there we're third we're not even halfway through <laughs> the first month and i got issues to pick and bones to pick with this month or with this year already i'm just like nope 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 did not agree to this <laughs> should we go into that <laughs> should we go into it and uh like how how crazy 2023 is already. Yeah, I would please. say, oh God, I'm, I'm I want to talk about vulnerabilities and stuff, but I also want to keep private people private, you know? So yeah. I, you know, I don't want to mention names and stuff, but you know, I, I went through kind of a, uh, an emotional situation that's not been fun. And is a little bit embarrassing for me. And it's also a little bit or a lot of bit of a life lesson that I should trust my own gut and instincts and, um, and, you know, learn how to deal with pressure to yeah. go faster than I want to. Like, I'm very naturally a slow person. I'm slow to do things. I'm mm -hmm. very observant. And, um, but people who move faster excite me they like I, I like them I like their the, the speed and the pace of them so um I often 
associate myself. And I think it's probably because I wish I was a little faster with how mm. I process things and how I thought and, and everything. But if you give me time, I will come out with something gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. If you don't give me time, I will look chaotic and messy. And I, you know, I, I prefer the former. And I, I have learned that I, for who I am at this point in my life, I will be doing things at my pace that I feel is right. I will not be. Yes. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be very, very selfish. There um, we go. That's um, what I was looking for. <laughs> I, I, uh, I have realized how much, how it, it is a default of my personality to just naturally give more than I receive. Yeah. And that was how I wanted, you know, I, this was what I wanted for myself. This was something I committed to. Empathy was a commitment that I made to myself in 2014. Mm -hmm. I, um, I studied empathy, um, at a certain level and I found a lot of value in it for, um, myself and others. I found that like, I was able to, with my empathy grow in other ways too. Um, and, but now it's getting to the point where my empathy is, is, uh, hurting my, or I should say not my high level of empathy is hurting yeah. my self-confidence. Yeah. And, I, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. I remember you getting on to me like <laughs> six months ago. Uh, you want me to tell the story? <laughs> yeah, please go at it. Okay. So you I'm got on to me because like there was somebody I had a disagreement with and um, I, I called them and I was like, cause I was inspired by something that you did. And I was like, I want to stand up for myself. So I called this person and this person automatically assumed that I was calling to give them emotional labor. And so they proceeded to rant for like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I listened, I listened carefully and I was thorough and I, you know, gave them feedback and all that stuff. And then I put in my, oh, and by the way, the reason I called is because, you know, we have this disagreement and they were super short with me and not, did not really give anything back and kind of cold and turned off. And so I, I got off the phone and you came over to me and you're like, you are always giving empathy to everybody. Like you're always, you're always listening. You're always taking care of everyone around you. And right. I asked you who the fuck is taking care of you. And it's like, I, I, I brought this up because, you know, we had coffee every, every morning and right. I, you know, I would rant because I love to rant and talk. And, you know, I had my issues too. And you were like taking care of me and all, like not just in empathy, but also the fact that I forget to make my breakfast and lunch and dinner. And I, I basically starve all day while I'm working. So I noticed you taking care of me and I noticed you taking care of everyone around you. And it was like your default. Right. And that that's where I was for a long time. And um, whenever I was like that, the, the people around me, I was like enabling them to just 
get on this rant of, of like using me as an emotional tampon. <laughs> right. Right. And what ended up happening was like, I, I felt like everyone that I was giving this to had like a hole in their cup and that my cup of water was just being filled into theirs. And I was empty and they seemed empty all the time because they always expected me to keep up what I've, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was worse, like in, in the relation, in a relationship and like, a an actual relationship where the other person doesn't take care of them, their own needs. And you're just there filling their cup. Um, and then there's guilt everywhere. <laughs> there's resentment everywhere. Um, you know, I, I find that when someone gives too much for me, to me, like I actually start to resent them sometimes because I'm like, I can't keep up with what you're giving me. So like, so, and, and some people look at me like, oh, maybe you can't accept love and, and stuff like that. And I really don't think that's, at least for me, that doesn't feel right to it. Cause I, I love love. I love validation. I love that stuff, but it just, you know, there's a healthy amount of taking care of me. I don't need you to take care of me. I, I kind of want to build something. I don't want to be uh babysat. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally, I'm getting that now. Like mm-hmm. after being overwhelmed with um, affection, which by the way, kind of rarely happens to empaths. Yeah. Because we're so used to, we don't know how we feel. We have no idea. Like we, we're trying to make everything better and, and we're trying, our, our goal is to reduce suffering. That's why we empathize with you. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know how we feel to other people. Like when we just, you know, naturally like wrap a lot of love and like, okay, let me just take care of you and make sure everything is, Mm -hmm. is going. We don't realize how intense that can be for someone. And we don't understand why someone like you would have a reaction like that to us. We're like, well, we're, we don't, but then when it happens to us, we're like, oh, I get it. You know? So it's, it's almost like you have to experience it to, understand why it's it can be considered toxic that can that can be seen as like you know just a a a not a give and take every relationship should be like um two glasses of water where you're constantly filling one cup to the other but if like only one cup is filling to the other then it's not this is not a relationship this is a relationship you know i actually i actually disagree um, I think, I think that could work, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you would, it's like your service would be just to the other person. I think there's like three people in a relationship. There's you, there's the other person and there's the relationship. And I like to get my, like my cup full from the individual. So like from myself, like I, I want to fill my own cup to the point where it's overflowing and I want her cup to be overflowing where she's just like, her life is feeding her. And then we're in the middle, maybe pouring our cup into each other, but not even on purpose. We're just, we automatically love because we're so overflowing with it. Um, This is where like getting selfish, I think is actually the most selfless thing you can do because 
<laughs> yeah, because I remember I would focus on people outside of me and I was depressed because as much as I would focus, I didn't feel like they were moving. And it was just like I was drained of energy. I, there was nothing left. But the moment I became selfish, I realized that that behavior didn't stop. Like I didn't stop taking care of people around me. But the way I did it was with my boundaries in place. And I was able to be more effective when I was helping them because I was in a good place. I wasn't in a place of deficit. I was in a place where it was so overflowing that I would help people without noticing I was helping them. Like, let's be real, Patricia, when I was staying with you, I did not think I was helping you in any way by being around you. I literally just thought you were feeding me, you were taking care of me sometimes, and then we'd have cool conversations. But then like you kind of pointed that like I was kind of helping you, but I didn't, it was super passive because I was filling my own cup. My, 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 I'm always thinking, what does Cal want to do right now for me? <laughs> right. And yeah, I just. So yeah. I, I have noticed that selfishness is, uh, I think a little bit easier for men. <laughs> uh, it's not like the way women are conditioned, whether it be biologically or just societally, it is harder to think about myself as a person that needs care um, because I'm so used to being like putting others before myself. Like that's literally one of the principles. I actually, I actually challenge that because in, in the society that I grew up in, <laughs> maybe it's different in Canada, but I find that women are constantly told and taught to be selfish and to take care of themselves and to lead their own lives, that they're independent women that are strong, right? That's, that's the message I get. And men, men feel empty without purpose. Like if we don't have purpose, we feel completely empty. And our purpose usually comes from taking care of the people around us in some capacity, whether it's being the breadwinner or being an emotional tampon, I have no idea, but we tend to feel a lack unless we do that. But I understand that women are more nurturing, more empathetic naturally. And, but I do feel like in the last, like, like at least in my lifetime that women are told more often to be independent and selfish. Oh, well, I have not received that message. I'm of a different generation <laughs> though. So um, in my generation, like, I mean, literally I feel like millennials are the most people pleasing generation there is mm -hmm. that's alive today. Because like, if you think about, we grew up basically at the end of analog and the beginning of internet. Mm -hmm. And so we have the principles of like the baby boomers and Gen X of like, Hey, you've basically got to work really hard and do everything that your bosses said and, and all this stuff. And then, um, and so we're coming into the internet. And so as we start to build the internet, you know, it's all like the, the internet, when it first started, it was a lovely place. It was a <laughs> lovely place. There was no comment section on the internet. There were no trolls on the internet. It was just do you like my picture on MySpace or not? You know, like, or, or did you see my status update, you know, on, on Facebook, like it, the beginning of the internet or the beginning of like 
how we think of the internet today was very friendly. Like, you know, like, so we still have like the old PR in mind. Um, and then you have, you know, Gen Z who grew up with that nice, beautiful internet too, but that was like their childhood. That was their, those, those was their, that was their Sesame street. And then you start to get, you know, platforms like YouTube and Instagram where looks and status start to really come into play as they always do when it comes to new mediums. And, um, and so you have this generation that's got this new way of expressing and they don't have to have a boss. They just figured out that they don't have to go to a regular nine to five and the more controversial they are, the more clout they get, the more status, the more money, you know, mm. they, they can build their status off of being their aggressively authentic selves. Um, and they've run with that while a lot of the, you know, like the millennials, we're still like trying to pick up the pieces of our, <laughs> of our self-confidence sometimes. I, I always get irritated with like, um, conversations about like millennials and gen z and the reason i get irritated is because um no matter who i talk to they put me in a different category like mm -hmm. like i i find that people like in their 30s will put me in like gen z category mm -hmm. and i'll find people who are gen z will put me in like uh millennial category and i'm just like can i just not be labeled I, I i have a thing with labels you are labeled though i saw your birth chart you are definitely gen z Ugh, your pluto is in yeah. sagittarius mm -hmm. my pluto yeah. is in scorpio those are two different generations. i'm a special gen z that grew up with dial-up internet until the end of high school so i didn't have the same experience as all of you other gen z's so i'm like way better this and more special than all of <laughs> I love Gen Z, but like, don't get like, I, I do not want the message to be that Gen Z sucks. Actually, I love Gen Z. I'm very jealous of Gen Z because of their, um, their, they, one, they know themselves way better than millennials will ever know themselves. And then two, they have amazing self-expression and they're actually trying to find what really makes them happy and what really makes them tick and the kind of life that they want to live. They're out here exploring things or out here yelling at people yeah. out here building stuff. Like they're, they're actually making a noise. Yeah. But see, like those aren't the people I went to school with. Like those are their younger generation, like the generation that once I graduated, got into high school. Like those are the people that I see they're allowed. I'm, I am a unique snowflake in my millennial <laughs> you're you're a gen z millennial yeah i would say so but yeah, i would say more millennial normal. than anything you remember the one I, you're a zillennial a zillennial uh, I, that's what it I'm, is i'm just gonna call myself a millennial but you can do whatever you want um i do you remember the the video that i sent you where the guy was like talking about millennials and how we know our problems are very self-aware of them right right we we make it your problem. We make it like a thing for you to deal with, like for you to work around it. And it's so true. Like, I'm like, yeah, I have anxiety. I'm on these medications. They give me mood swings. I'm this and that deal with it. Cause I'm not going to do anything to do it. Like this is me. Deal with it. Okay. So imagine, imagine I have the same awareness as you, right? Plus I'm an empath. <laughs> 
Plus that. Plus, so I, I'm going to be aware of my own problems. And then I'm also going to be very socially aware of your problems and then try to adjust as needed. Like, oh, you're going to adjust they, yourself. Yes, as needed, because that's what I'm doing as an empath. Yeah. And it's the same. It's it's why, because I'm an introverted empath on top of yeah. that, it's why like staying in is much easier for me to exist than it is to go out because it's just chaos yeah. <laughs> out there. Like I'm seeing all these different people and I'm absorbing all these different energies. And it's mm-hmm. like, ugh, I got to figure out how to slow this down. I don't want this. Like not, mm-hmm. not at this level. I want to be able to take people in, but I don't want to, I want myself to still be there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that I I've gone to a level of, I like, I know myself enough and I, I tolerate certain shit around me, but when I see stuff I don't like, I'm so quick to just tell them that I don't like it or that I just won't tolerate it and I'll, I'll cut people off very quickly. This, I think the last like two years, especially, I've had this confidence about what I knowing what I like and what I don't like and what energies I'll allow around me and what energies I won't. Um, so I find that I make it their thing. It's like, I will I will be socially aware and I'm empathetic enough to know what your problems are and how you're feeling, but I've limited myself to how much of that is my responsibility. And I will tell you what needs to be done to fix it, but I'll leave it up to you to do that or not. And if you don't, then I'm just like, sayonara, bye-bye. <laughs> and I'm, it's, it's, it, I'm cold about it with uh, male friends. I'm very cold about it. Actually, I'm cold about it with everybody, with, with everybody. Yeah. But yeah. No, no, it's, it's useful. I have a question though. Um, do you consider yourself like competitive? Hmm. It's, it's a good question because I, I've trained myself to compete with myself and that competing with others is a waste of time and energy. Um, okay. and it's like, and it's like a young man's sport and that like, there's always going to be someone better. So why am I competing with everybody else when I can just compete with myself? And it's actually something that will move me forward and that I can track. And that's, uh, that's cool. It's like, but I that's will look at other people. Way. It is, but I will look at other people and, you know, there might be envy sometimes where it'll come up, but I'm quick to put that down or decide that that's not the ride I want to take. And I, I usually use them as inspiration. Um, I, I remember, I remember when I started going out and socializing, um, I used to go out with this one guy and, uh, this was like six months after I started approaching and he's, and he says to me, he's like, yo, there's this guy who started coming out like a month ago. And he's so, he's so like you, he's so similar to you. And I was like, what the fuck? What does he mean? He's similar to me. Like, is there someone else that's <laughs> that's as good or whatever? And I was a bit nervous to meet this guy, but I ended up meeting him. And when I saw him, when I just saw him, I was like, this guy, this guy, he was short, fat, hairy, not trimmed. His hygiene was shit. I mean, his, he was, his hygiene was basic, but it, like he was not trimmed or anything. Like I was like, I was grossed out. I, like I would be weirded out to hang out with him every day. Like if he, if he kept up that hygiene, but I, I look at him, I'm like this guy. And then I see him approaching 
And I see why people are like, he's similar to me because he doesn't give a fuck and he'll just say whatever's on his mind. And he was like a machine gun. He was just going, going, going. And I talked to him. I mean, there were certain things I didn't love, but like his mindset of like, he assumed attraction. He saw himself as a track was so in- insane. Um, and I, I went out to the clubs with him and he was like talking to this lesbian and her girlfriend, convincing them to have a threesome with him. It was, it was insane. It was like, he was only going out for a month. And I was like, what? And there was a moment where I was like, I was feeling a bit of jealousy for his results. But at the same time, I was like, dude, this is literally evidence that if he can do it, I can do it. And like, you know, it just like removed the the barriers. I wasn't comparing myself to guys who were like six foot three and handsome and never had to think about approaching or, or interacting with women. Like this is a guy that, I don't know, he had, he had less to work with and he did more with it. Mm-hmm. So that that gave me an easy way to start changing my mindset around it and just um, using those moments as inspiration that, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. That's literally the evidence. So in general, um, becoming a man has a level of competitiveness to it, even if it's only with yourself. You, as a man, you are 100% always competing with other men. Okay. But it's it's more about your mindset and how you deal with that that's going to allow you to do that effectively or not like i am automatically competing with other men you know like right. i'm competing with them for women primarily cuz but the thing is like you you pick up mindsets over time that just like help you cope with the competition <laughs> and like for me it's like what we just talked about um and like one thing I used to tell myself is there's no competition for winners. Like there's no competition for winners. And I'd repeat that to myself. That was like my mantra. So if I'd see my friend talking to a girl that I really liked, I'm like, there's no competition for winners just because he's winning. Doesn't mean I can't win. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, and it's like a lot of people I think who hate people who make money, (laughs) uh, have a poor mindset around that where they think that because this guy is making a lot of money, I need to get some of this, not like, Oh, that's evidence that I can also make a lot of money. It's like almost the resources aren't there for them, but they are. Um, but yeah, I am always competing with men. It just, how do I deal with that? And it's, it's really through mindset. Um, and then when it comes to women who are, you know, like obviously women are naturally very competitive because literally we're trying to compete for the best mate. Um, I find that the comp, the competitiveness between, men and women is it's like a it's a it's a it's a delicate line and how you present it as a woman I'm naturally very competitive I grew up in a competitive family ambitious I have that but it's it's quiet at first you don't Mm -hmm. feel it I do not come out of the gate you know I am not the fast horse out of the gate I'm the the horse that's like endurance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, and so something that I, I find just with myself in general, this is beyond like men and women, this is just in life is that my level of competitiveness often surprises my peers and opponents almost so much so that it, it like causes a negative reaction. 
it's funny because I I won't gloat about my win, but my win surprises them so much that they're like, where did you come from? You couldn't do this like two weeks ago. Um, And it's happened in different arenas. And obviously that's not something I don't even think I can change because naturally my mind and my body want to progress. That's like progress and process are my mantras on Mm -hmm. a daily basis, but it sucks when, because I'm a slow person, um, in the, these relationships that I've built or whatever, and they're going well, and then they see what I really have to offer. And it's all, it's like, oh, I, all of a sudden I really scare the hell out of people. And I just like, I'm kind of at a, I like, I don't know what to do at this point. Like, I, I'm like, do I just keep going? Because I know mm-hmm. that men, a lot of men define themselves by how, how competitive they are. And mm-hmm. I happen to really enjoy alpha men, mm-hmm. you know, like I like being around them, but I think it's because they see that I'm strong, but they don't see me like, they don't know how strong I can be. Once I get there, once I like really absorb things and I wonder, like, is that something that's just never going to go away? Or is that, is there, are there going to be people that can handle this? Cause I'm, you know, I've been around for a while. I've seen this happen over and over again. Obviously it's a, it's a certain reality that I'm telling myself, but it, the results are pretty consistent. I'm, I'm, I just, cause I need to follow, um, one thing I'm, I'm just trying to understand, are we talking about competition? Because for me, competition's in the background. Or are we talking about how people respond to our accomplishments? How people respond to the accomplishment. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> it's just, it's so interesting. I, I find that for me, I, I'm, I have a lot of accomplishments for my age and mm-hmm. I get irritated when people ask me about them. Um, and I don't know why, but like when I had a party here last year and I remember guys came into my house and they're, they're partying, but every single guy that talked to me asked me the same fucking questions. And it was about my accomplishments. Right. And I had a moment where I was like, I hate these fucking conversations. I'm just here. To, I want to have fun. That's it. Um, so it's, it's crazy how like my competition aspect is so in the background, but I don't, I do know this. I do know this when I was 15 or even when I was younger, I was counting the days of when I was going to be like of age to work. And when I'm going to have to like start taking on responsibilities, I was like, Oh, I have two years left. I have one year left. It was, it was pretty funny. Freaking Capricorn. <laughs> it's yeah. But I remember when I was like 15, 16, I had so much anger towards my peers and the people around me that I wanted to be ahead of everybody. Like that was my thing. Like I want to be five years ahead of everybody. And I remember when I was like starting to work out at 16, I was working out like most of my peers weren't and I would work out before school and I'd show up to to my first class energetic, like just ready to go. And uh, I was just like, fuck yeah. And it was, it was driven by hate, (laughs) but it was also, it turned into something healthy later. Then it was just like something to maintain, but I don't worry about competing with men as much anymore, at least the men in my age group. Um, I'm competing, I feel like, with men in their 30s, 
like that's that's really where I'm but I don't feel as much pressure because I'm in my 20s like it's mm. it's kind of interesting um but I've been very passive about accomplishments like, I have too I never lead with my accomplishments like I yeah. I keep I keep them close to my to the to to whatever um, but it's still like if somebody witnesses a win or sees something, um, I, I was thinking about this, how I think Teal Swan came out with a video that was talking about how you're, you know, it's often said that we're afraid to, you know, what's going to happen when we're successful. We're, we're afraid of success. We're ex- afraid of power. We're afraid of success, afraid of power. And she's like, that's not true. What we're afraid of is how people are going to react when we get said power and get said, mm. you know, accomplishments, because if you have that type of trauma, which I definitely do. So I know that's something I'm going to be selfishly working on is, um, and you've been, shown to you that when you accomplish something other people who you love don't like it it depends on it depends on how they love and where their love is coming from i think because right um i remember i when i quit my one of my jobs like maybe this five years ago i got a job offer like i was walking with my one of my best friends and i got a job offer on the phone and it was like a message from like the universe was like, like, you need this, here you go. And it was the best thing that could happen. And the job offer was in Hong Kong. So they wanted me to move to Hong Kong. So after I hang, I'm having this conversation for like 20 minutes and my friend hears me and he has like the worst reaction. Like I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Hong Kong. I'm going to have like a, I'm going to teach people how to do this. And that I was excited. And he just like had the worst negative energy and it was like, Oh, like what about like, and he, and he used good points to like, to feed into his reasoning, which was like my health. He was like, Oh, what if you get sick? And what, blah, blah, blah. but it was like, I felt like I was being held down. And then I talked to another best friend and he was just so ecstatic, so happy for me, like so happy for me. And um, yeah. And I've, I had, mostly that reaction like the positive one and i get the negative one from certain people but that's why i'm like so protective of like who do i allow in my space intimately like who do i like i i hope like from the friends that you've met that i've introduced you to you notice that like they're all like like they all have good vibes like they all have good of course vibes even if we all have our problems (laughs) like we all fucking do we're all human but like we 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 go about it in a very positive way and we support each other we're happy for each other i think um with you in particular um it doesn't surprise me that people react to you that way because you like you listen i can feel the the competitive vibes with you like i can feel the the high energy the big strong like i'm going I'm going to do this and you're going to know that I did this and I'm going to get something for it. You know, I'm going to conquer. My energy is very different. It's very slow. It's, it's Mm -hmm. very subtle. It's very feminine. And so it's, you do like, it sneaks up on you. And I, I, I will 
always preface people. I'm like, Hey, just so you know, I am competitive. Like I'll say it in a cute way. And they're like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then boom, you know, I'm beating you consistently in something or, um, or I've achieved something that you thought I couldn't in a way quicker than you thought you could, or, you know, I came up with some idea that now you want to copy it. it, it it's like, oh, now I'm, uh, and I get put into a different category. And for women, it's for us, it's really important for us to be like liked and accepted socially. So that can be detrimental to a woman's reputation, which we definitely have to protect at all times. So it, I, I'm just like in this conundrum, like, I don't know, should I just try to not be competitive? Should I just like, I think being competitive and people reacting to you negatively is the best sign that you are doing exactly what you should be doing. Maybe. Like, no, Maybe. 100%. Maybe. Like when people start getting hate, it's like, it's like, it's, it's evidence that what you're doing is having an effect, you know, it's, it's like, it's affecting them an emotional level. <laughs> right. right. So I, I, it's hard. It like, don't get me wrong. Like when, when I get that kind of feedback or that kind of response, I definitely go internal and, and I have self doubt. I'm a human, but I try to, like my logical side easily will say like, yeah, but you know, clearly you're doing something right. But my, emo- I'm very emotional. So you, you can probably tell that I would have at least a few days of like, eh, wah, pity. It's just, I will say this, like as a woman who is definitely alpha, Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks. Like it really, it, it, like, it's one of the worst things. Cause it's, it's one of my favorite things about my personality is that I do have this strength and I know I'm going to survive no matter what, but I'm also like very sensitive <laughs> and have, I have feelings. I feel like a lot of this is, depends on it, what you want at the end of the day, like what the goal is, what you want to get. Because yeah, like I think being competitive is going to hurt women more than men in certain arenas, like especially in like relationships. Sometimes I, I, I would presume it can, it can hurt. I heard that one out of four women right now are like the breadwinners. One out of four. Oh yeah. Four. yeah. Oh, and the, the younger, the more likely she is to be, be a breadwinner. Yeah. So um nice. yeah it's a whole new it's a whole new ball game for you guys out there and i am learning that that <laughs> no matter what a man says uh he will tell you literally be like i love that you're so independent i love that you're so determined yeah until you start but. seeing what that has presumed like it, they say that they they will say it and i can tell that they believe what they're saying but then when they start to see the evidence of the things that you've accomplished they're like i don't have any place here like there's no i have nothing to give like Mm -hmm. oh what do you mean you have this or what do you mean you live here or you know like so yeah i i've experienced that myself like i dated someone who made a lot more money than i did and there was yeah there was definitely a part of me that was like oh you don't need me yeah the end uh, it made me less attracted to her. It, it made her more masculine. Um, 
it made me feel more feminine around her because like there's polarity like her mm -hmm. taking on more masculinity um will put me in that other like polarity so I felt more feminine around her and it, I just didn't feel powerful I felt useless right um All right and I think that's the feeling that most men are having these days is like they feel worthless they feel useless uh they I no wish place. I wish that biology and evolution and modern society could have a meeting because <laughs> I, I, I want I, no, I'm serious because no, I, I, I want it I want to explain this to you guys so um women had to evolve. We didn't really like, we were kind of thrown into this. We had to develop more masculine traits because basically there was a movement and I was not part of it, <laughs> but because of what my foremothers did, <laughs> I now have to fulfill certain things as a woman. Like my list has gotten longer for the, 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 what's expected of me in society. Mm -hmm. And naturally like men are going to be attracted to women who are very good looking and fit and smart and, <laughs> and passionate, you know, like th those are things that you guys like, you guys like those things about us. And then you also want, you know, like somebody who can be influenced, somebody who's got this stuff going on, but I'm like, as you age, as a woman, it becomes more costly to keep a certain level of maintenance up. So, and then even when women are younger, so, you know, a younger woman, she's still looking out for the future. She's like, oh, well, this is going to cost this. This is going to cost that. This is like, it's already been surveyed that women invest and save money, um, at a more consistent level than men do. Um, so, <laughs> so there we naturally start thinking about the future we're like okay in order to have this i get in and i don't want to be a burden to you mm -hmm. you know like that's what we're thinking i don't yeah. want to like i know my stuff costs this do you know how much laser hair removal is it ain't cheap you know like do you know it's how much cheaper it's actually getting cheaper by the way <laughs> thank god Oh, well, great. <laughs> I, so, you know, men, I think men haven't caught up in, in being taught what to expect. Mm -hmm. uh, because like, you know, for me growing up, even though I know what's going on with women, there's still this expectation for myself to behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like if we're talking about, okay, let, let's say I make a certain amount of money and she makes a certain amount of money. We go to dinner. I, even though she wants to pay, I will feel the the need to pay, the, the want to pay. Like it's just a thing. So mm -hmm. it, it like at some point it feels like I'm living for her. Like and like I'm I'm gonna be paying for her. And even though she wants to pay, it's not expected of her. Mm -hmm. And she's just saving her money. And while while men are kind of just, you know, helping her get through the days <laughs> in a sense. Like I know girls who go on Tinder dates just to get their food they don't have to pay for food it's hilarious <laughs> it's really bad please don't do that um but, but no 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 ladies do not listen to him yeah don't, i'm not saying to do that i'm don't do it no i'm i'm saying don't listen do to him and do it the oh reason i say it's so mean i'm kidding I'm, do no it. 
Be a nice no, person. do Come it, on. but be a nice person about it because I was once a 20-year-old who needed yeah. a meal and but would go out with a nice guy who like, you know, sometimes it did actually <laughs> turn into something. And you have to remember, we're not attracted at first to most of you guys. So <laughs> that makes me feel so good. <laughs> Like we have to, we have to like actually get to know you to become attracted. So, yeah, I saw something. I don't know where I saw it, but it was like women are unattracted to eighty percent of men. Yeah, yeah, that yep. was not hard for me to believe. Cool. Oh yeah, like I mean, it's just it's very rare on any given day if I go outside that I'm going to see a man that I'm actually attracted to. Yeah. That's, that's it's so that's crazy because you guys probably have the opposite problem where yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. It's like, you know, if we didn't have that, I think it'd be easier for us to commit to one person because most guys I know have the dilemma of, yeah, I like this person, but I'm still so attracted to everyone else. <laughs> and I you know what I you know what yeah. I also think? I think if more men were at your level of approaching and attraction, that it would also be easier because there would be less for them to take right now you you are abundant you are you can have whatever you want almost whenever you want and that level of abundance is not necessarily always positive with your psychology it can turn you into like a manipulator it can cause you know like issues with how you see women because now they're just uh not to say this is you specifically i'm just saying like in general with the 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 normal abundant guy Mm. it can cause a lot of like issues to where you're like treating women like cattle you know (laughs) i think i think you said something to me uh about how when like i date like i read books Mm -hmm. that's what you said and it was like i pick one up i read a couple chapters and i put it down and i feel like i figured her out i'm like oh i got it i know what this is about Mm -hmm. um yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Uh, and I, but I don't like it. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. That's how we I, are. It's a biology I, thing. I feel like the solution is for more men to be men, you know, more men to become men and to like more. Learn. So, like more competition. So, you think competition anxiety would actually stop me? I actually think the opposite would happen. If more guys were like me, I'd be way more competitive. I would, I would just, I would be like, how do I good my game? So, I'm 20. 50% better than them. Like I it's Well, like, I think that's good because ultimately you'd be competing to find mm-hmm. some some women that you're actually compatible with knowing 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 that there are other men who are trying to get to your level. See, like this is all in the the context of like if I want a monogamous relationship though. No, I don't I'm not trying to contextualize no. that you have to have a monogamous relationship. I'm no. just saying like if, if for me, it's, it's less about a monogamous relationship and more about committed relationships. Yeah. Same to me. Same thing to me. No, no, no. I'm I'm not saying like you're with one, one other person. I'm saying like your relationships are like Mm. meaningful and growing and in depth and like that you get pragma, which is everlasting love. You know, like there's something to be said about it. It's a, it's a beautiful type of love. Um, and one that just cannot be repeated in any other way other than like a roommate. So really... <laughs> yeah. I like sometimes I feel like that's the only uh like that's the only thing I could probably tolerate 
to commit to forever. Although, actually, no, I can't even commit. I, I hate roommates. Never mind. I like my cat. I'll just marry my cat. Just kidding. That's gross. <laughs> my cat was giving me hell this week because she's in her last heat cycle because oh, she God. gets she gets um she gets officially fixed on February sixth. So cross our fingers. Not fourteenth. No, I might, I wouldn't do that on Valentine's Day. I, I did it with my cat on Valentine's Day. That's weird. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's just so weird. Your poor cat is just like great way to celebrate. Daddy doesn't daddy doesn't want me to have a guy. Yeah. Daddy said no boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even get a hot date on Valentine's Day. Yeah. I'm kind of nervous for her. I'm kind of nervous for her. She's an Aquarius, so she's weird enough to be able to handle it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, she gets so horny. It's it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Yeah. Like it is so annoying. I can't do anything without her. Like trying to claw at my hair, or uh, like I was on the couch yesterday, and she's just like swiping at my face and then twerking her little butt. And I'm like, I can't do anything for you ethically or legally no. or any way. She's so she's a stalker. She does. Yeah, just so obsessive. Yeah. Well, at least we get to see biology at work, though. When a woman is horny, move out the freaking way. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it is it's biology it's literally biology at work is her going you're mine (laughs) Uh -uh, uh -uh. you know what i didn't realize until i got a cat and i started like watching more tiktoks um is that um cats are very family oriented creatures like they stay with their cat family if they have like a you know mom dad baby situation hmm. they will stay together as long as they can i didn't really I didn't, yeah there are literally <laughs> families of cats um if you allow them and you like really let them grow in a family environment and community yeah hmm. you have to start giving them a, the babies away once they start you know if they're not fixed but you know <laughs> But, um, yeah, the cats are very affectionate. I think I sent you one of the cat videos where it's like some cat comes home randomly with a girlfriend and (laughs) his name was socks socks comes home with his girlfriend and, um, and she's just hanging out with him. Like Mm -hmm. she's just watching him on the couch and then they cuddle a little bit and then they, you know, they go watch TV and then they play together Mm -hmm. and you just see and they, uh, of course, owner named her shoes. So you have socks and shoes. <laughs> and he goes, well, I guess I have another cat now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My it's friend's, so cute. My friend's cat and and even like this girl I did in Mexico, she, her cat was so social. She would leave the door open when she left. And sometimes she'd come back home and there's like two cats on her bed just chilling. Right. And they're all like he just had he's, he just goes out and knows all the street cats he just and he feeds them like he like he brings them back to their place and they'll share the food and like i was like why do you have to buy cat food every freaking day he's like my cat I'm like what do you mean you have one cat like you don't need to buy that much cat food. he's like no he, he brings people over i was like <laughs> people over what are you talking about now it's like holy shit this feels like 
This feels like when I was in high school and I'd bring my friends over and then we'd eat all the food in the fridge. And my mom's like, what the heck? Felt exactly the same, except I was the cat. Yeah. You were, but me, you, were the, you were the cat. I was the cat. But Mia right now, so my cat's name is Princess Mia. Um, she has been so fucking affectionate lately. Like I'm just watching TV and like she wasn't doing this before. Like she she's she now is like just chilling on my chest. She used mm-hmm. to only do that with girls who had big titties. Legit. It's like, unless you had big boobies, she would not chill on your chest at all. Not on your lap, nothing. But now she's like going on my chest and maybe my tits are coming out. Um, but yeah, she just like comes on there and just hangs. And then sometimes she'll like do that like little massage thing. And that is what cats do to like their moms when they're trying to get breast milk <laughs> out. So I'm telling you, there's no breast milk here, y'all. <laughs> But it's so cute. That means she sees me as like her um, parental figure, you know, like yeah. the one who takes care of her, which I love. Yeah. Uh, Pam is very, actually, my cat's name is Princess Pam. Ooh. Funny story about that. I'll tell it some other time. But um, I had to rename her Princess Pam because I named her Pam, but her previous owner named her Princess. And then I noticed that she was kind of like having some emotional confidence problems and then you know her and I had a talk and I was like I'm so sorry I took away princess from you you're now princess Pamela so she's now princess Pamela anyways princess (laughs) Pamela um she like her and I bonded at first and then we didn't we weren't clicking like it I like I didn't even feel like she was my cat for I want to say maybe five or six months. And I was just like, well, maybe we're just not meant to be or whatever. And then all, all of a sudden she started really trusting me. Um, and I, I was like, this is weird. Like she just comes and sits on my lap or at night she comes in to cuddle with me and just like lays on my chest and purrs or Mm -hmm. she'll, you know, make biscuits (laughs) or try to get breast milk. Um, or she'll just like watch sports and tv with me yeah you know so um i was like weirded out at first when she started like really really bonding with me i'm like oh so we're friends you know like (laughs) but i also have to remember you know she's freaking domestic cats are wild animals they're wild animals that know how to like be cute enough and yeah, sweet like, enough to every like animals like that like every person's like 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 that like i am gonna live my life trying to interact with the environment to get my needs met right and cats are gonna do that too it, for me it's more about are you leading with affection to get safety or are you leading with safety to get affection like for me cats need safety first and then they start showing you affection once they've they know that you are a safe person and you're going to actually take care of them then they they give you affection while, while dogs they'll just give you affection they'll give it to you they give it to you and then hopefully they'll feel safe around it <laughs> i don't know i don't it's like men and women yeah like exactly it's, it's like women are the cats we we look for safety first and then we'll get affectionate and then for dogs they're looking for affection Mm-hmm. in the hope or they they give affection in the hopes of eventually be, being able to trust you and yeah. find safety so that's interesting yeah it's like after sex um i feel safer in the relationship because i like it's and, and like that's where sometimes the power dynamic switches um 
I know we hate talking about that, but, but like, I find that for women, they have, they need to feel safe first before they have sex. It's, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to feel safe for so many reasons. I mean, you guys are definitely, uh, dangerous. God damn it, Jesus. <laughs> you are dangerous to us in general. So, you know, you are we're... in a mood today. Okay. You're in a mood today. <laughs> Well, I'm saying statistically speaking, women are dangerous to men too. Like let's let's not pretend as if uh violence doesn't exist on both sides, both physical, emotional, and psychological violence. Um there's there's all types of things. It's just that men are typically they're they they have power and with that power does not always come gentleness. And so there's a lot of, I feel like women in this generation have a lot of power um, as well to, oh, yeah. to hurt and manipulate men and, and, and ruin their, their lives. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank you, internet. <laughs> yeah, but it's, and I think like when it comes to physical violence, you know, I, I think men just don't, wouldn't report that because of mm-hmm. embarrassment and shame. And, and I also think when they do report it, like the, the police officers or anybody that are looking into it are still going to be looking at the girl first uh, because, you know, there is more risk for her, even if, even if um, the violence is going towards the guy. Uh, yeah. It makes sense. The, she's the more vulnerable damage. party. Yeah. She's yeah, the like, more vulnerable party. Like women uh, apparently get more violent more frequently, but the damage they make is less. While like, a guy who is getting violent, like once creates a lot of damage. Oh, yeah. Um, so it is. Ugh. It's, <laughs> it's interesting to me that like. We are pushing women to become more powerful and violent dare we say uh in different ways um it it, more psychological violence like i feel like okay so if the power dynamic between men and women shift from sex you know and men feel safer in the relationship after sex and they feel more powerful right Mm -hmm. the power dynamic definitely shifts um in the favor of a woman after marriage and even more so after children and with that power um especially depending like if she's a if she's a a working woman a working mom mom she's got definitely a lot of her she's contributing to the household plus if she's doing the majority of maternal work and courts are going to be in her favor she's going to have a lot of power there she's going to be able to say I get the kids, I can work full time and, um, and you know, like you get the, the, the slack of it because more women are generally conditioned to run a household and raise children and, you know, basically care for nurturing small, young, vulnerable creatures versus men typically aren't they're barely cared for themselves i i won't go into anyone specific but i've Mm -hmm. met grown men who are in their 30s and 40s who don't know how to cook a meal who can't keep their place neat who can't feed themselves regularly who barely have like a routine and they're like 
can't like they can't they can't care for themselves by themselves yeah like they they are dependent so i think it's important for men to really realize that this power exists and it exists for a reason it it, it has to exist for biology's sake because somebody's got to get the kids to the next point you know like you somebody's got to raise the kids and we need the person who's raising the kids to be responsible we need them showering and brushing their teeth every day and making sure that the little ones are showering and brushing their teeth every day um but i think it would behoove most men to understand that when that power dynamic begins to shift in, after sex and into marriage or you know like a relationship that he understand how important it is to know domestic labor have emotional and social awareness and mm-hmm. also self-awareness that way he can also like he can stay in the game he's not just a person that's going to work and coming yeah. home every day so okay so right now we're going through like a technological shift like we're, we're like some technology is getting out there like chat gpt mm-hmm. um that i think is gonna have is gonna force men to change uh career paths like a mm-hmm. lot of guys who are more logical and do more admin kind of work they're not going to have a job and i think there's going to be more service jobs available as as like technology keeps getting better mm-hmm. like coaching jobs consulting jobs um just like fitness and all, all teaching and nursing teaching. those are those yeah. are jobs that are always in demand yeah so i think men are going to be forced to start looking in that direction. I don't know how effective they're going to be compared to to women, but I think there needs to be things taught in schools that kind of guide that path or make that path a lot easier. Um, Do you mean home economics? Home ec? I loved home economics. When I was in high school, I got 110% in sewing class out of 100%. I got 110% in sewing class out of 100%. I got 110% in sewing class. Do you want to know why? Ask me why. Ask me. Why, Cal? Why did you get 110%? Because all the guys and even the girls in that class were lazy as fuck. Okay, so what ended up happening was first we had to make boxers. Okay, we had a month to do it. I did it in a week and a half. Okay, so easy. I just had to follow the steps. I'm like, okay, done. I made the boxers. She's like, oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Well, you can start on the next project if you want. I was like, okay. Or you can just chill around. I'm like, I'll start on the next project. I didn't like the people in my class that much. So I was, I was just working. And the next project, we had to make a frog, like a little stuffed animal frog. And I did it. And I was so proud of it. Then I brought it to her after a week. I had another month to do that. So I was done everything in, a, in less than three weeks. And I bring her the frog. And she's like, okay, well, there's nothing really left to do. You can just hang around. And then she had an idea. It's like, well, if you want, you can make maybe like little boxers for the frog. And I was like, uh, yeah. So I did that. I made little tiny boxers, little SpongeBob pirate boxers, like, like SpongeBob pirate on this frog. And uh, I gave that frog to, to one of my best friends when he was moving. This was when I was like in grade eight. It was so cute. But um. Yeah, I was really proud of myself. And I honestly, like, I if I went back into high school, I would actually take uh, sewing and 
stuff like I took a cooking class in high school, which I liked. Um, but my teacher, one of them was kind of lame, I guess. But yeah, the sewing was fun. I actually really enjoyed it. I wish I could I would take it. Well, you found something that you were interested in, which is cool. Mm. You're always going to do well in something that you're actually interested in, which is, I don't want to go too much into this, but I feel like school should become autonomous after the sixth grade. Like once you learn basic math, basic reading, basic writing, um, science, history, all of that, and you've learned how to learn, like that should be the priority is to teach students how to absorb information and then expunge it um you should have choice over what you begin to learn now there there obviously should be some still some fundamental grounding to make sure that we have variety but overall most uh 12 13 14 year olds that i meet they know exactly what they want they know exactly what they're interested in and they're very ambitious about it and they want to pursue it. And then others are still like exploring a little bit, but they still have an inkling. Like when mm-hmm. I was 14, as soon as I took my first ballet class, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I don't care what capacity. I just want something to do with this. Yeah. I I, I don't know if you know about like the school systems in like Germany and um, maybe Switzerland. I'm not sure, but I know about Germany, but in their school systems, like first, they're all in the same page, like they go to the same schools. And then I think after elementary school, they have to decide whether they go into like a technical school, like where, or um, like a school basically where they focus on academics, or a mm-hmm. school where they focus on like real hands, hands on work. Right. Um, and when I heard about it, I was like, what the heck, like you're putting people in these boxes and all this. But whenever I talk to anybody who grew up in that system, they all were like, yeah, this is great. Like you, you know what you're good at and you, you do it. You work on that instead of like working on stuff that suck. But have you ever heard of me off the wrong way a bit? Have you ever heard of Yenta law? Yenta law? Yenta law. Yenta law. Yeah. No. Okay. So the reason something like that works so well over there and it would never work very well over here is because they have this system of laws and it's just like a it's there, there's nothing illegal or criminal about having a different mindset but yenta law is meant to okay so it, the the law of yenta is a code of conduct created in fiction by the danish norwegian uh author axel sandermus and basically it is a way to move through society. It's a societal code. So I'll read some of the laws. So um, it basically ma- makes sure that you know that you're part of society, no matter what job you do. So do not think you are anything special. Do not think that you are as good as we are. Do not think you are smarter than we are. Do not imagine yourself to be better than we are. Do not think you know more than we do. Do not think that you are more important than we are. Do not think you are good at anything. Do not laugh at us. Do not think anyone cares about you. Do not think that you can teach us anything. So basically the we and all of those statements is basically society, like saying that the collective that has uh, or the community of this is the ultimate 
goal, like is, is like the ultimate expression. And so it basically stifles individualism and uplifts community. Um, obviously yeah. there, are, there are cons to that. There are, there are, yeah. there are quite a few cons to that, but there are also a lot of pros to yeah. knowing that, Hey, maybe I'm better at sweeping the floor and, and cooking the, uh, cooking the meals or whatever. And I won't be looked down on pawn and society. And I won't be treated like trash because I'm just doing a regular job. I, whenever I meet someone though, who has those kind of mindsets, um, they're like very humble, right? Like I have one friend who's like very humble and he's very patient and like doesn't think that he has much to offer, which is crazy to me because every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, dude, you're freaking amazing. Like keep talking. But he has this like patience about him where he like listens to everyone around him first for it and, and really thinks about everything before he, he speaks his mind. Um, but I think there's a healthy balance of it. It's like, you want to balance the individual with with the we because then that'll make you more effective in how you interact with the world. Because like for me, Absolutely. I have the problem of being sometimes so caught up in the individual that I feel like I know everything and I'm just like, yeah, stop talking. I already know that. <laughs> and like I, I'm just focused so much on me and I can come off arrogant at times. So. And I, I probably have the opposite problem where I'm always trying to build a community in a in a it's like hoarding cats. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I so badly want a community. And, um, I was actually talking about this with my, uh, one of my students today. Um, she brought up ancestral, um, behavioral, um, science, basically saying that the way your ancestors behave has an effect on how you behave. Mm -hmm. And, and I was explaining to her that being black in America is not like any other minority in a, in a, in in the US. <clears throat> and I say that because I think about, you know, how the US its conception um or sorry, I said conception, inception since its inception has always been about immigrants and coming here and working hard and, you know, like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is a land of opportunity. You can grow and change. And like, there's all this stuff here and mm -hmm. how there are several generations of people who, you know, came here in the, um, you know, fucking freaking 1600s and started paving the way for generations to come in their family versus my ancestors who did not have a choice but to come here, they don't see the U.S. as a as a land of opportunity. They see it as a place of residence where their family had been kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And so there's a very different mentality with um, with African-Americans versus with everyone else. I also find it very interesting that um, the majority of the of the citizens in the U.S., um, they test personality wise as extroverted. And even when they do trust test extroverted um, or introverted, they test pretty high on the extroversion scale still. Hmm. African-Americans are the opposite. They test very high in introversion. Hmm. And I do not find it surprising at all, because if you think about the history and how like anything that you get basically has been, um, there, there's always been systems of oppression against you. And this includes um, 
pre, post, and pre and post and during slavery um, to take anything that you acquire to um, dehumanize you. So it's natural that you would start going inward and start being very community-based. And so my culture is very, very, very community-based. So I often butt heads with people who are so individualized because I'm like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand how you could be so selfish, even though that's something I'm working on. <laughs> it's like, you know, like I'm totally, I, yeah. I, I need to be more selfish, but it, it, it literally goes against my natural grain, my natural order of things. So, you know, I just thought I would point that out. No, oh, it's awesome. No. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I do. I do notice that a lot of my clients that are African-American, they um, are very quiet and have to think a lot before expressing themselves. Like I have a, like I'm a hundred percent open. Like when I'm expressing, I like, I'm expressing everything. And I try to teach a lot of my clients to be that way, at least to a certain extent. Um, but I have had a lot of issues with, you know, getting them there and it's understandable, but it's like, because I'm not in that situation, it's hard for me to find the reasoning that would be worth it for them to take that action or that would make it plausible. Yeah. Uh, that book that, um, that I was telling you about of boys and men, they have a whole chapter on mm -hmm. specifically black men. And what I find really interesting about this is one, it's one of the most well-written um, pieces of literature that I've come across on this topic. You know, I'm very passionate about like a, a lot of the stuff. There are side conversations you and I would have about certain clients because we, we saw issues. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, the, the writer talks about how in every other culture, being male is better. It's literally better to be male, no matter what culture it is, except for being black. This does not mean that being a black woman is better. It means it's equally detrimental to be black. Like it doesn't matter. You do, you get no um, brownie points uh, for being male. And so like, it's a, it's like a double-edged sword because the masculine traits that we would appreciate in other cultures are uh, demonized amongst black men mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, so much so that black men will feminize themselves yeah. so that they come off less threatening to the public and to their environment. And to police officers, because if it's like, oh, well, he couldn't hurt anybody. He's kind of gay or acts a feminine or he's docile or weak. And it's it's safer for him. He can get through high school maybe without a certain level of harassment. This isn't to yeah. say that, you know, people aren't authentically in their sexuality or anything like that. I just notice um, that this if it, like I, I think about my position, if I were a man, if I were a black man, I would be doing the same thing. Like I'm lucky I get to live in my feminine, you mm -hmm. know, but like it's a privilege for me, but to have to choose that just to mm -hmm. be able to get through life, mm -hmm. that's unfair. 
my clients have also told me that in like their household that the women were in charge like they were mm-hmm. the ones that are running the show so yeah because the, the if men, you yeah. if the because the men are like hunted yeah they're not in the household they're either they're told they can't be there because of um government assistance they're in jail um mass incarceration basically or they b- have not they're so uh, they're so successful and abundant that they don't need to be in a household like everything that's happening in the dating world is happening at an extreme level in the black dating world especially in the US like it's it's at an extreme so much like yeah. literally black men and black women can't see eye to eye like the tiktoks are ridiculous the podcasts are ridiculous out there but it's completely understandable because you have one group who cannot be themselves and fully themselves and then whenever they do get into masculinity they fall into the manosphere um and that has a wide variety of just toxicity and it's it's sad and then you have another group who's been told that they have to be as strong as a man. They have to be basically another version of a man. So you have like two alphas going at each other constantly. Damn. It's awful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's not fun. No. I'm so glad I got to share this and talk about this. I hope somebody in our audience gets to like feel seen and heard and understood because, you know, that's like, something I'm aware of, mm-hmm. but it's not easy to talk about. Yeah. It's hard for me to talk about just because I don't have much of an input, right? Like not only am I not African-American, but I live in Canada and right. we're like, when people complain about things here, like I, I get confused a lot of the time it's just because I'm like, where's it happening? <laughs> like I never see it. Right. And I, I've had moments myself but they're so discreet that i don't notice them initially sometimes and it's just and usually they just they think i'm the wrong race it's pretty funny but um i yeah i never i never had it that bad and i never really got to witness it in front of me as often other than like social media and yeah and i try to avoid the news right so it's it's like a (laughs) it's a lot of stuff piled on there yeah yeah I um and and honestly one of the things that I think I really admire about you especially in our relationship is that I've been able to talk to you about this kind of stuff so that you can have more awareness around it because it it it's that special little extra thing that you would only know if you were in this experience you know and that's the thing, like I can be aware of it, but I'm still not living it. So my awareness is like, I'm really capped. It's kind of like when I'm trying to put myself in women's shoes, I'm capped at how deep I can go. Mm-hmm. It, it feels this, it feels very similar uh, in that sense. Yeah. For me, I feel like I'm very ethnically ambiguous. Like people won't, will never know really where I'm from, but some people can, can guess. <laughs> <laughs> they stare at my eyebrows long enough. Um, 
Yeah, my sister was having a lot of crazy moments uh, this last this last year, like 2022, while I was in Mexico. Um, mm. You know, with everything that was happening in Iran, um, people just went to extremes. And, you know, my sister, you know, she wears a hijab and she lives in Canada. And it's not like she's supporting what's happening in Iran. Like, I don't think anyone I know of, like I know, is doing that. But, you know, there's a reporter who labeled her as if she was and put her address on the internet and and made a uh made an assumption based off the fact that my sister has visited the country uh to see my sister um that she's a terrorist right and then and i don't know how those two connect but basically people were parked outside of her car uh people would throw stones at her like people would uh, and this has happened even before this, like people would stop the car, ask for her for directions. And she has my nephew in a, in a carriage. Right. And they, they'll roll down the window and she'll be like, yeah. And then they'll just spit in her face and they'll drive off. Wow. Like, like stuff like that happens a lot. And it happens to Muslim women, obviously like Muslim men, like, you know, you, you can't tell if they're they're most of the time you can't tell if he's practicing or not. You can't even tell. Right. But like if they're wearing the hijab, it's like, a, it's like, hey, I'm waving a flag for you to do something. And I've had right. I had a friend um, in Vancouver when I was in high school, she was on the train and some some I don't know if it was a homeless guy or, or someone who was just really intoxicated uh, started just saying racist things towards her, telling her to go back to her country. And no one was doing anything on the train. And then some guy enters the train like some 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 white guy just enters the train and sees this happening and he just like he just interferes and grabs the guy and throws him out of this guy train he's like are you okay because he was like getting to her face and I, I he might have even gone physical so it was terrifying um and now she talks about it she like that's like that was her job for a while she was talking about that but um yeah, things like this happened to my sister and she doesn't even tell me. Like I, I find out one day that this is like normal and a normal occurrence to her, but it got really bad uh, the last few months. Um, but I think it's it's getting better because I, I reported that account. I, I sent it to people and I was like, hey, this is crazy. And Yeah, I remember you were telling me about it. And um, by the way, if, if you ever want to have your sister on the podcast, I think that'd be a great idea. She sounds... yeah. She sounds pretty awesome, and I would love to to hear about her perspective, and especially not only with the harassment and the treatment that she gets, but also her more like how she aligns herself within her marriage and her relationship, and um, yeah, how she sees you. You know, like I'm I'm very curious about that. So please invite her on. Yeah, maybe I'll get her on next week or the week after. We'll see. I know her birthday's coming week up. after because I have boot camp. Oh, boot camp. Yeah. Oh, oh I know. Oh, you're going to have to you, tell me. But. Wait, you know who's going? Do you know who's going? I always know. I always like, I, I always know who's going. I meet everyone. Um, okay. Do I yeah. have anybody to look out for? Anybody like, to stay away from? I'll never tell you to stay away from anyone. I'm like, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll make a list. I think honestly, right now, there's no one that really sticks out right now, but I'll, I'll make a list maybe for you. Like, go at them. Chill, 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 chill. 
I'm like, I can't, I, especially because I'm feeling very gutsy right now. So. Oh, you're going to attack. You're I gonna, know. I attack. like poor, these poor men. Are, <laughs> <laughs> they will be men after they leave this boot camp, let me tell you. <laughs> Anyways, we have gone way over an hour. You're welcome, audience. Uh-huh. <laughs> we will see you next week. Um, Love you. Happy 2023, whatever that means. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.